Welcome to Lobby Concessionals, the movie podcast where nobody's right and everybody is wrong. That's Brendan and I'm Parker. Uh, like and subscribe, follow our channel, take us, check us out on the socials. Uh, Brendan's got a whole bunch of links below. Check so them all out. Um, yeah, or don't check any of them out, you know, and yeah. click the like and subscribe buttons and then we'll move along. Um, we are joined once again by Allison. Welcome back. Thank you. Is like, is this fun for you? I, I just, I keep thinking, I keep making glutton for punishment jokes. Yeah. And then I'm like, man, this yeah. must be hell. Yeah. Huh? And then I have days where I'm like, are we feeding her properly? Like, is the room yeah. warm enough? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just. You know, I, I feel that too, where you invite me and I'm like, no, it's got to be better this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's nice that you call it an invitation. <laughs> You know, yeah. like it implies you have a choice. Yeah. I'm so tired of answering calls from child services. It's <laughs> just the worst. Um, welcome back, though. Thank you. Uh, and thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so, as I've already mentioned, we're discussing discussing adaptations today. Uh, and I just I want you know for those watching at home or listening at home. Um, feel free to start a informal tally of the number of times I say adaption instead of adaptation, uh, because it's going to happen. Uh, and I looked it up ahead of time, and they are technically the same word. Adaption just means another form of adaptation. But we also agreed as a group that probably means it's the idiot version. So, so take a know. shot every time he says adaption. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going to be drunk in ten minutes. So. Um, yeah, so we're, we're talking about adaptations today, uh, and I wanted to kind of kick things off by um, throwing it out there. What are some of your uh, favorite adaptations? Uh, well, we're just going to start there, hey? Yeah, like I've got, I've got some in mind for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess to make it a little bit easier, I'm not just going to ask you to give me a list. Um, Allison, you are uh, historically, famously a Harry Potter fan. Um, so... Uh, to kind of get the ball rolling, would you list Harry Potter as one of your favorite adaptations? It's a struggle um, because <laughs> I I know that there's problems with those films. And sure. like obviously the more I watch films, the more I can see that it's not maybe the best adaptations out there. Oh, um, I almost got you there. Uh, almost got her. You're screwing me up now. Um, but because I loved those books so much, love those books so much and because i love those movies so much i do really enjoy them sure. and think they've they've done good a good job i definitely have issues sure and strong issues the closer we get to the end of the series but so i i guess considering all the movies um and tv like the, the various things you've seen adapted mm -hmm. um would you still list it as kind of one of your favorites you know this doesn't have to be an exhaustive process i just mean yeah. like is the ad adaption? Oh, damn it! <laughs> uh, uh, is it good enough? Uh, so to, I to still be on the list of like, oh yeah, this is what I like when they adapt things. You know, um, I think I think if we're doing, is this my yeah my favorite? Probably not. I think mm. there are ones that I can pinpoint that are better. Sure. Um, but I think they did do. I I think they did do a good job taking as much as they can out of the books and putting it into the films. And sure. It's difficult, but, um, yeah. Like, the 1995, there was a couple, um, there's a Pride and Prejudice 
there's a persuasion that came out in sure. 1995 of Jane Austen's. I would say those are better adaptations than. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Or like those would be on my list of favorites, I guess. Well, and so uh, again, just digging into the Harry Potter thing. Sorry, Brandon. I'm sure you'll get an uh, opportunity to say something soon. Cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you also are a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. So from, from my point of view, Lord of the Rings is one of the best adaptations simply because I would actually say it is one of the few things that the, the movies are better than the books. Um, and, and I understand that could be a bit of a hot take potentially. Uh, but, but either way, I think you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find people that don't think that is a good uh, adaptation of the, of, of the novel. So yeah. in the comparison between those things, given the fact you love both of them, I think my difference with Lord of the Rings would be that they, like, Peter Jackson takes a book that references war and then puts the war on the screen for you. Right. So Tolkien doesn't really have big battle sequences. He talks about them, and he talks about them, like, reminiscing or um, from the past. Sure. But he, he doesn't really go into a lot of detail. Tolkien fought in a war, so he didn't really want that to be like a major part of his his novels, right? Right. Whereas Jackson's like, no, in order to have a good film, we sort of need that as our catalyst or what we, our conflict that we're going to come sure. to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels a little unsatisfying to talk about it yeah. in the context of a film, but not actually see it, especially yeah. if the events that are being described are present, like yeah. are happening right now, right? Yeah, like should be something. So I, I think it's a little different in that sense, whereas Harry Potter is very close to the books. Right. They, and they're far more plot driven, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And they, they do seem, it's a little more simplistic in that sense than mm. Tolkien's writing would ever be. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I, I would also say that, like, I love the Peter Jackson uh, Lord of the Rings films, and I think he's done an amazing job adapting those three books. But, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter is just a hard. Hard chat. <laughs> well, so we'll put a pin in that for now because I think there's, you brought up a lot of great points that we need to circle back to. Yeah, yeah and the Peter Jackson stuff we're going to have to circle back to. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, there's a lot <laughs> so of things there that would be uh, worth unpacking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so still, it's just sort of as an intro. Brendan, favorite adaptations? Um, this is weird because, like, again, coming from a comic book thing sure. as well, I in my mind, I had never thought of it as an adaptation. Right. Uh, so when I think of it, like, my first instance of it was probably that... We've talked about it in Art of the Trailer. It was that Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, okay. And that has such a big impact on my life. And not really... Basically, until you asked me that question, not thinking it was an adaptation. Right. And it is. Yeah, it yeah, absolutely yeah. is, right? It has it has origins on the page and, 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 and is brought to life. Uh, so there's that one. Jurassic Park's a big one. Right. Um, yep. Uh, Outsiders is my... Is probably... Because it's one of my favorite books. And oh, it's okay. also one of my favorite movies. Sure. Uh, so Outsiders is up there, and and I think when you're going through high school and you're reading a lot of these classics and realizing there are films about them, and you kind of I, like in my head, the the early '90s of Mice and Men movie sticks out a lot in my head. Oh, okay. And I it, a lot of those movies I probably have to revisit to love uh, to see if I remember liking, but I remember that being really good. Mm. It's like Gary Sinise, John Malkovich. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I remember loving the Lord of the Flies movie. Uh, and I don't know if I still would. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, you know, right. and then yeah. you start, it now starts to go, and, and, and then there's just stuff that you don't even realize are books, and then it's too late. Yeah. Uh, so, though, but those ones I, I think stick out to me for good or for bad, which is really strange. 
So yeah. while we're talking about some of those classics, even so, let's let's dig into of mice of men, uh, of mice and men, yeah, specifically. Um, did you read the book first, or is that your book first exposure? Okay, so yeah. your first exposure was the the book. Yeah. Um, do you have instances of things where it was the opposite? Uh, where you you watched the film first before reading One the book. Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, okay. And and sorry, and you're a fan of both of those things? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, because I find. Uh, like in my personal experience, the it can always be hard going from a book to a movie. Yes, um, absolutely. And uh, and so the opposite way I find I've had a better time with, where I watch the film, I enjoy the film, and then I read the book. Um, and typically, I think the the easy explanation there is probably just that it's there's more detail to the book, mm-hmm. so you see a condensed version of it in the film, and then you get to read the book and see everything else that was cut. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, an example of that is Fight Club. I love Fight Club. Um, I watched the film first. I read the book. Um, but the interesting thing with that one is that Fight Club is, uh, uh, in my opinion, a better film than it is a movie or a book. Um, and and the the author uh, Chuck Palahniuk agrees um, that he thinks it's a better. The adaptation did what he intended to do with the book and just couldn't pull off. Yeah. Um, and so I think that sort of stuff is interesting is that, um, you know, the, the way the formats flow uh, and, and how difficult it can be with, with films, you know. Um, so I, I guess the next question is, and uh, I have some thoughts on this, but I'll, I'll pitch it out to you guys. And if it's if I'm throwing you down a rabbit hole here, that's hell, um, then, you know, I'll I won't shut up. I'll keep talking. But. Um, what do you think makes a perfect adaptation? Um, perfect? Well, maybe not perfect, but, but a very good one. So like Allison, you've mentioned um, some Jane Austen adaptations uh, in the mid-90s. Um, you know, we already talked about Lord of the Rings. Uh, what sets those apart as uh, – or like Brandon, you just mentioned Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. What sets those apart as a good adaptation uh, versus a bad one, you know? For the Scott Pilgrim one, the the easy answer is the spirit of the adaptation, right? Okay. Like when you're reading that stuff off a page, and and what's really cool about Scott Pilgrim is it's a, it's originally in black and white, okay. And there's like an energy to it, sure. And when you're reading it, and the characters come out, they, they just jump off the page, and there's this kinetic energy when you're reading all six volumes of that stuff, and to see it translated, like you're watching it, and it feels the word is perfect, right? It, it's a perfect representation of what is trying to come off the page. And to me, that's number one, that's really hard to do for a black and white comic book, uh, a niche comic book to begin with. Right. And to have all of that stuff pop off the screen exactly the way maybe you read it is pretty cool. Right. So there's like a universal, it's almost like, and it's really hard to do, it's almost like a universal translation. Edgar Wright read, to me it feels like Edgar Wright read Scott Pilgrim the same exact way I read Scott Pilgrim. Mm. And Fair enough. that to me is probably where, why so much of that stuff fails is because for the most part, how I translate, how I read that book isn't the same way the director or the writer wrote it or, or read it and and saw it in their head. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I have a, a point to make about Scott Pilgrim, but Alison, I want to give you an opportunity um, to answer about, you know, sure. what makes a perfect adaptation, what makes... <laughs> Um, for me, I think a lot, it's a lot more character driven and like how 
the characters are portrayed than the setting or than those set pieces. So I think really if you can get the true essence of the character and you put them in whatever role it happens to be like so yeah. the thing I think of is like clueless which is based off of Jane Austen's Emma. Mm -hmm. And oh, okay. so it's a completely um like it's a set in the 90s it's a new version of the same old story right but there's not the same things that are happening like they're obviously set in the 90s so they're doing a lot different than they would in the 1700s but the characters still have the same essence so they're okay. still they're still making the same choices or thinking through the same problems yeah. in the same way that it's a pretty big deal would. yeah well and so this is man it's almost like you've like I literally didn't feed you this, uh, uh, but you've kind of set this up perfectly for me. Because um, that's actually digs into some of what my question was about Scott Pilgrim, um, is does setting matter? So Scott Pilgrim famously is set in Toronto, and uh, the, the writer of uh, Scott Pilgrim lived in Toronto, pulled locations straight out of there. Mm -hmm. Now, does that film work if it's not in Toronto? Let's say they filmed in Atlanta, which is where a lot of things get filmed now because of tax breaks. Um, so the film is set in Atlanta, but uh, or maybe not even set. They they can call it Toronto, but it doesn't literally feature famous landmarks of of Toronto that were in the the original comic. Does that ruin the adaptation? No. Is that a, a, an intrinsic part of it? No. If if all the things she just said happen, mm -hmm. if if the characters feel exactly the way the characters feel. And if if and honestly, if the the location itself doesn't play a part, I think when you're reading it, and it's cool to see uh, Scott with a CBC shirt uh, walking down uh, a recognizable street or doing these things. Right. Uh, if it doesn't take away from the story or the characters, it's not that big of a deal to me. Yeah. So you yeah. think you can still watch a Scott Pilgrim film set in Atlanta? Yeah. If uh, if uh, you know unless. That's tough because you know you want to you want to believe it's intrinsically Canadian. Uh, there's a part of you yeah. that does that, and, and and it means so much to the author. And and so there's a half part of me that's like if you if you read that and you went out of your way to change it for no reason at all, maybe you missed the mark. Mm -hmm. Well, but so arguably is Clueless going out of its way to change it for no reason at all? No, you know, like so Clueless is a modern adaptation. Why is it modern? Is there any reason of it being modern other than the fact that? Uh, it's, it's it's made easily more digestible for a modern audience and like a gateway into sure Jane but Austen. okay like but the uh it's a more sorry a atlantan set scott pilgrim is more digestible for an atlanta audience they haven't been to toronto so from their point of view that particular setting means nothing to them right so sure i mean i mean i don't know if uh time period and location might be an apples and oranges uh, situation yeah maybe you know like i mean at the end of the day uh, lion king right it's just because it's animals as uh, in a, a different setting than than it would be for Macbeth, mm -hmm. right hamlet, hamlet sorry yeah, yeah. but uh, sorry what are you saying like you you're saying because it's Lions, we can't. No, I'm just like it, it. I don't. I don't know that it takes away from the message or or whatever it is because it is a different setting and a, a completely different setting. It's not even humans at that point, right? Like, so I don't know that Atlanta is 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 super important. Unless again, to me, if the story of Scott Pilgrim lived and died by having to be in Toronto, which I don't think it is, 
right. think it's cool that it is, and I think there's a little bit of pride to see that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if the story doesn't allow, does, doesn't need for it to be there, I am okay with it not being there. I think okay. that's, that's my thing, like especially with Toronto, um, because or sorry, Toronto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gotta say it the right way uh because it's something that hadn't been featured heavily is starting to i feel like is starting to become more um featured as a city and actually kept as toronto sure um with scott pilgrim it was like oh this is so exciting as canadians that we get a film in a canadian city and it's not filmed somewhere else it's in that city yeah. or not filmed in canada and then renamed a different city yeah right. yeah exactly yeah. like um and and I think that's the big thing because my thought with Jane Austen, it, there's lots of adaptations. There's lots of things set in England. I know what the English countryside looks like. I don't need Clueless to look like the English countryside. It's okay that it's set in LA because I've seen a lot of things that are English countryside, right? Whereas with Scott Pilgrim, it's like, oh, I haven't seen Toronto very often. So you're saying now that we've had Toronto filmed uh, uh, as a location in lots of films more recently, that it's now okay to adapt Scott Pilgrim without it being in Toronto. Because I, we've already scratched the Canadian itch of we've had Canadian-made films. Well, I, I still wouldn't say it's enough. Like, we have a lot of British out there. <laughs> if sure, you watch sure, a lot of sure. British, you'll yeah. see them. But, um, but like, that's not... Like, if I'm a Scott Pilgrim fan that lives in Mexico, do yeah. um, you don't think that's important to the... Uh, and like in, in, I don't mean to die on the sale by any means. I'm just trying oh, yeah, to, no, no, yeah. you know, yeah, devil's yeah. advocate this. But, um, but you don't think someone that doesn't isn't from Canada would value the the fact that that film is set in Toronto because that's where the the story is, or it, it's not enough of a value. Like, it, does it ruin it if it's not? Because obviously, if you're a fan of the comic, you're going to appreciate the fact that they stuck with the yeah, same location. Yeah. And you have like, it's such a good question because you literally have me waffling, like. As you're right. talking, because mm-hmm. that's most of the time it won't matter to me. But there, 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 but there's a stickler in me that's like, well, why change it at all if mm-hmm. it doesn't make a difference? And I think that's my thing, especially this is our first adaptation of Scott Pilgrim. We've, yep. we've already had lots of adaptations of Emma. Like, and Lula's that's a great point, actually. Yeah. So, then so you can play Lula's... around with you can yeah, play so around you can with start it. Start to push. Or like, um, she's the man is a take on Twelfth Night by Shakespeare. Right. And so I, Shakespeare's a million times over. You've seen Twelfth Night probably, so it's okay that she's the man is not exactly the same. Yeah. So you right? think it's okay like, to start changing those things because we have seen pre- previous adaptations, and then on top of that, from the point of view of a filmmaker, they need to make sure that she's the man stands out from a different adaptation of, of Twelfth Night. Like yeah. they have. A, a, a history hundreds yeah. or a hundred years of Twelfth Night adaptations yeah. to, to yeah. contend with. More like five hundred years. Well, <laughs> yeah, well no, not yeah. film adaptations. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, right, yeah. see, so like the very first one a hundred years ago, yeah. let's say, probably wasn't even then. But yeah. you know, they don't have to deal with this. They they can be the first film adaptation, exactly, right? Yeah. But so uh, by the time She's the Man comes around, they were like, well, what can justify our existence? Yeah. Yeah. Let's Whereas modernize it. Scott Pilgrim, why would you change it on yeah. the first, yeah. the so first like, time you've adapted In like 30 it. years when we're on like the eighth iteration of Scott Pilgrim, yeah. you can finally take the video game stuff out and I think I'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I guess, and, and I, this might be a contentious topic, so I, I understand if this is oh, maybe a weird way to go on this. Um, but isn't 
uh, is, is that the, a similar argument to the, um, you know, oh, why, do, like, they can't make Spider-Man black sort of thing of, you know, people are saying, well, the character has, has always been white. Peter Parker has always been a white guy. So therefore, Peter Parker always has to be. Um, so is it the fact that, like, I'm personally okay with Peter Parker not being white. Personally, I don't think that's intrinsic to the character. Yeah. But is that become more, like, is that more essential that we have Peter Parker as a white guy the first time Spider-Man gets made, made as a film? No. And that uh, that's the thing, right? Like, much like, oh, this is going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> much like if if Toronto isn't absolutely vital to that story right then i can change you can change it to be whatever city it is as long as the characters do what the characters are supposed to do and feel the way they're supposed to feel right if if peter parker the character has to and to a detriment has to be white then i sure but he doesn't it's just not it's uh, nothing about you could you could literally have a black family grow up in that setting and it, it there the, that story could still be a thing right 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 yeah it's not it's and and yes there there are going to be different stories you could tell if he was black as well but peter parker in that setting with uncle ben dying and aunt may making pancakes and all that stuff living in a home yeah. being wicked smart doesn't need him to be white mm-hmm. it just doesn't and so again with period pieces sure I'm just, that's all I'm going to talk about. <laughs> um, but things like... That's why you're here. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Bridgerton is a great example, right? So they've um, placed this just all-star cast of um, people of color sure. alongside. And so, like, it's not... Um, they don't really talk about it. They're just like, this is what society would be if, it, like, everything was okay. If colonization wasn't terrible right um and then same with the latest persuasion that just came out this year like a month ago two months ago um is also with a mixture of um some black cast as well okay and so that was a huge argument that people had like um bridgerton i think it was a little more understood that or more people were okay with it because they're it's not a Jane Austen adaptation, so it, there's not some historic element behind it. It's more new age. But it is an adaptation, isn't it? Of a book, yeah. But, yeah. But a, but a new a age new book, age book. Oh, yeah. a modern one. Yeah. So it, like, it's not it's not going back to the 1700s and yeah. rewriting. It's not beholden to its time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. Yeah. But also, I'm like, what does it matter if we stick that closely to Jane Austen in that sure. sense? So why wouldn't it be okay to have? different people in those roles right like well so is, is this like is bridgerton similar to i unfortunately haven't seen it or fortunately <laughs> yeah. maybe um uh, but is it similar to hamilton so you know i can't think hamilton is probably the most famous example of of casting uh people of color in in roles that were more white men, you yeah. know, like, um, so is it similar to that in the fact that they cast these roles and then never acknowledge the fact, uh, even remotely that, you know, those people at the time in that period wouldn't be able to rise to a position of that level, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's similar to that or is it acknowledge the fact that there is a skin color difference? There is a quick throwaway like couple of lines and it actually bothers me that they're so quick but um because i sort of want them to focus either focus on it or sort of don't like let this be the world without any question 
that this would just happen because people are inherently good. But acknowledging like, makes it worse. Yeah, but acknowledging mm. it makes it like, okay, well then tell me about it. Like, I want to know how we got to this point. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a couple throwaway lines where they acknowledge like because the queen is a person of color, that is why um, the ton has been able to get to this point. So why other people of color have been able to excel in this society. Because, interesting, because interesting. the king married a queen of a color. So I, I, I don't want to make this whole conversation about race. Like it's, yeah. it's about adaptations. But I guess my, my point is, and to dig away a little bit more at that, is then in that version of Bridgerton, mm-hmm. in that adaptation, um, it sounds like the, the skin color does make a difference. Like so in the, the beauty of Hamilton is um, the, that Lin-Manuel decides that it literally doesn't matter what they look like from the point of view of skin color. Yeah. Um, so that it's totally okay to cast Alexander Hamilton as, what is Lin-Manuel, Puerto Rican? Puerto Rican. Um, as a Puerto Rican guy. Yeah. Uh, or cast a Puerto Rican guy as yeah. Alexander Hamilton because his uh, skin tone doesn't actually matter for the character he's trying to show. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they address it in that way in Bridgerton makes me assume that that matters for those characters is that how you would like is that a worse adaptation of it because i assume the skin color didn't matter in the book you know what i mean well it just went yeah like there's only there is a jane austen book that skin would have mattered mm-hmm. so um but most of the time like there's not really a reference it's like well everyone's white yeah yeah you we're just talking sort of about yeah like upper class people in the 1700s and so i think that's the same with bridgerton where it's supposed to be sort of jane austen so um it does yeah it does make a difference but that's what we're trying to do like i find directors are trying to do now so with things like persuasion which is a direct ad- jane austen adaptation um they're just putting in people of color Right. Um, with no explanation or no indication. But again, they're the best actors for the role. They should get the role. Sure, absolutely. Um, but sometimes it feels like we're just throwing them in there. Like it's never it's never our main characters. It's mm. always the extra person that comes in for a couple of minutes. So yeah, I'm not... Hamilton, I think, is a weird one because also they're all white. So like yeah. everyone in that film is really... Or everyone in the history... So they can sort of make it whoever they want because otherwise they just all be white, right? And right, yeah. right, right. Interesting. Um, so to get the conversation off of race, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've talked about sort of adapting things faithfully. So we talked about Scott Pilgrim and the fact is, is that, like you said, Brandon, it sounds like Edgar Wright or it feels like Edgar Wright sat down, read that that comic and read it the exact same way you did. Yeah. Um, so what I find interesting about that is that it sounds to me like you think it was adapted faithfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so But that's that's so subjective, right? Like again, I I understand that not everybody's gonna read that the same way. Um, in terms of how I read it. Uh, right. So I just in that in that sense, I almost feel like I lucked out that the guy who's gonna adapt it read it the same way. Well, but it's so it it was received quite well critically. Mm -hmm. My understanding is it is generally considered to be a a good adaptation of that source material, Mm -hmm. right? Um but it it goes beyond just adapting the story and the characters. Am I right? Yeah. Like it has to it has to get the right feel. Yeah. Um I I think of Watchmen from 2009, the Zack Snyder film. And in terms of plotting, in terms of characters, in terms of um, like Watchmen as a as a comic was widely considered to be 
in very difficult to adapt or unadaptable, I think is the word that was consistently placed on it. Yep. Um, but I think Zack Snyder does a great job of adapting the literal events of the comic. Yep. You know, um, everything that I need to see in that comic is in there and it's put in a way that makes sense and it's put in a way that is conducive. However, I feel like personally, I think the adaptation as a whole is terrible because it seems to completely miss the point. Yep. Am I wrong in that? Like no. my how I've always found read Watchmen is that the heroes are supposed to be pathetic. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be a bit they're supposed to be weak. They're supposed to be just normal dudes and it's supposed to be embarrassing. Yeah. Um but Zack Snyder plays them like it's still badass to be a hero. You yeah. know, like there's still slow-mo scenes and they're kicking ass and stuff yeah. and it's again, he seems to have missed where where I'm So it, I guess my question is, I guess it's just not enough to to just adapt the events of the film, no, or that, the events of the book, or and I'm 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 actually one of those people that thinks Watchmen is unadaptable, truly I, unadaptable. I, like I I do think, and it 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 would it would take a special kind of filmmaker, or writer, or a cast or crew to make that work for me because I think Watchmen, for as you said, he the literal events of the movie are things that happen in the book. Yep, literal. But I think Watchmen is so rooted in its time. Hmm. That that's if you don't get that part of it, if you don't get Reagan, uh, you know uh, Reaganism and that weird '80s thing yeah. going on, I think the boat get you you miss the boat. Sure, mm-hmm. uh, and the and the point and the mark of all of it, you're right about him not understanding what the the dissolution of the dissolution of the hero thing is. The yeah. concept of that, uh, he just turned it into a weird superhero action movie, and that's just not it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's it, that's a tough one for me. Like, yeah, I I, I think. If you it would it would be a hard thing. I, I I watched it twice in two days when it was released because I had we had we did a midnight showing, and then a friend had a, mo- a wedding in a movie theater and he, that's the movie they showed. Oh okay. Uh, and I was like the second time I was like oh yeah that's rough it's tough that's that's, that's it was a tough watch uh, just because again I think the guy the guy missed it yeah Snyder missed the mark on it and he just didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't take the source material the same way. Maybe most people took yeah. the source material. I would argue most people, but yeah. you know, yeah. at the very least, we can say the way we took it. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and I, I think that's a big thing. Like, you can hit, yeah, sure, you can pull out plot points. Those are easy to find. Yeah. But like, what is the overall message? So, what are you adapt? Like, what is your adaptation saying about the, um, or sorry, what's the original format? saying yeah and what do you how do you portray that and i think the characters are written that way to portray that message right so if you don't have the characters that make sense and you don't have that overall message or you have one and not the other you're not going to hit the mark right on a good attitude fair enough and so that's with watchmen like he didn't understand his characters he didn't really get the message but he got all the cool fun like blowing up and And yeah yeah yeah. and it became his calling card yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. not understanding the core concepts oh. of anything that he's made. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Every <laughs> time Zack Snyder adapts something, he seems to miss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so interesting that you call Watchmen unadaptable because I would personally disagree. Um, I know this is a movie podcast, but I'm going to talk about Watchmen, the, the HBO sure. show that came out a decade later in 2019. Um, personally, I think that is a, a great adaptation of Watchmen, the comic, even though it has almost no characters that are the same uh there is one uh character i believe that is that carries over uh there is almost no literally no plot points that are the same um uh but but for me the theme the um 
the guts, the uh, vibes that you get from Watchmen the comic all carry over into that show. Now, is that is that still an adaptation at that point then? Like at the end of the day, like when we were talking about Clueless, at the end, it's still at the it's still yeah. Emma with its plot points and its characters. If Watchmen has the same vibes the show that is if yeah. Watchmen has the same vibes but has none of the same characters none of the same plot points one of the of same characters yeah one of the same yeah. none but, of this not even the same messages really it is a, it, I think it is a more, more modern moderned up uh, message sure than it does. is it is it an adaptation still or is it just a is it just a retell like not even a retelling is it a full on remake of, so, so a that's retelling of my argument like I would say it's not an adaptation it is a like take, so they're they're taking the source material and they are changing it to something new, and so not necessarily yeah they're not taking Watchmen the comic and remaking it or but they are taking the source material and it, at the very least they're inspired by it inspired, inspired by it is probably yeah. yeah so maybe there's like a probably a conversation in terms of having a, a conversation about adapting and inspired by. Yeah, yeah, an adaption versus right. being inspired. Because like it. that's at this point, you know, Scott Pilgrim is an adaptation of a graphic novel, Correct. and I think the MCU is, is inspired by the comics. Mm. Well, most Ooh, of it, most boy. of it. That's I mean, obviously, there's way of putting it. Yeah, right. Well, so um, I don't know. I have a bit of an issue with some of that. Um, <laughs> I, I I hear the point for sure, and I think that Watchmen, uh, the show and the movie are interesting in that they are very opposite so like it, assuming we are allowing them both to be uh, adaptations there's almost nothing in common so it's hard to be able to put those on the same even keel and say well yeah they're adapting the same material no. um but in the same way i look at the lion king and the northman and those are polar opposite films um they, they have almost nothing in common but what they do have in common is they happen to be adaptations of hamlet and uh, and both of those films then follow a basic story structure. But is that basic story? Like, you know, we've talked about on the show before that there's, you know, only half a dozen true at their guts stories. Um, so is that basic story structure enough to be considered an adaptation given the fact that yeah. one features, you know, Nor Smith? I think you and can. One because it, like, at the end of the day, if you take Hamlet, Lion King, and Northman, if I... If I loosely told you a plot, you could you could answer with all three. Yeah, that's my that's where it is for me, right? So Whereas, it needs to be a plot then. I just there has to be something similar no, to it. Their right? characters all have the same like motivations. They make choices that make sense. Like yeah. like famous well, not necessarily like, make sense. Not but, famous. Well, no, yeah, no. but like th- that their characters would make make sense to their character, right? Okay. Yeah, like even like I I joked about it when I I'd finished watching in the theater. And I'm like, oh man, Willem Dafoe as Rafiki is amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, so the characters are there. I think the plot yeah. lines are there. Whereas if you took if I if I if I read you a synopsis, a loose synopsis of the Watchmen, the comic, you wouldn't be able to answer that with Watchmen, the show. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, and yeah. So, so like that's where I, I I got lost in that question that you were talking about there because I was like those the Hamlet with Lion King and Northmen are on no level the same as Watchmen comic movie show. I, I, I agree. And, yeah, I'm, and I'm like, not trying to compare that they are, yeah. but I am saying what elements then do we have to pull? Because my argument would be is that the show Watchmen mm-hmm. pulls the themes 
and the the basic concepts and ideas yep. from Watchmen the comic, and then it creates that into a framework that is modernized, that features new characters, yep. and in a way that is makes sense. Because as you said, Brandon, that uh, that comic is almost impossible to adapt unless you truly are steeped in the yep. in the age that it came out. Yep. Um, so, uh, it, like. If they took those themes and ideas and um, uh, concepts and shoved them into this show uh, and and then created everything else new, my argument would be that would still make it a uh, yeah. a an adaptation given the fact that the Northmen and Lion King basically just take the basic plot. Now, granted, you're right. They do take characters but everything yeah, else but is stripped down in the a way. overall message is the same like it's a defense yeah. of your home like like you i don't think you can do oh northman's based off the lion king you have to go they're both based off of hamlet so like they're, sure. you're not really connecting those lion king and the northman together i mean other than but we're not connecting the movie the but... watchman movie and the watchman tv show either i'm connecting them both to the source material yeah, yeah I, but I, they're well, missing characters like yeah what i what i think i i enjoy about your comparison is that you're right? The the show takes the the central themes yep. of the original source material, but they they modernize them. So mm-hmm. it's still very to me. It's still loosely adapted, like loosely inspired by, not adapted. Sure. So I mean, putting the one character in there, I think, lets them name it Watchmen. Mm-hmm. But it really could be it could be anything else. Yeah, and I mm. think they're using the title as a. And in for people to watch it, like they know yeah. people are going to watch something that's yeah. Watchmen related. Well, like, and, and there is there is some central yeah. themes, like there there yeah. is actually things that are um uh like there is events that happen in that Watchmen film and in that comic yeah. that directly uh, yeah. impact that show. So maybe you're right that it's it's the the only reason that it's an adaptation is because they are basically taking the end of the comic and the end of that movie and then going, what else would happen? Yeah. Well, and so that um, makes me feel like it's it's just a sequel to the comic. Like, it's not yeah. even... Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So if a second comic would have been made, it would be the show. It's, would, I, think, yeah. I think you picked a unique enough situation there where you could make the argument for inspired by adaptation sure yeah. continuation yeah and like, it could just be hard... that it was a legal thing that they were like, well, <laughs> I have to put adapted, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so... I have, I guess I'm going to pivot us a bit um, instead of talking about individual projects, um, but talking in general about adaptation, about um, does changing formats uh, require uh, changes to the structure, to the story, to the characters, etc. So I'll give you an example. My experience with comics has been that because they are a a monthly publication, that in those 20 pages or whatever, usually the end of it is some sort of cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a big cliffhanger or a small one, but there's some sort of character reveal and there's something to hook you to come back for next month. Yep. Um, but that doesn't, it doesn't make sense to literally adapt the frames of a comic straight across into a film because there was those story beats it will feel way too staccato in the flow of a film because there's supposed to be an overall character arc so if we choose to take a comic and adapt it into a film does it have to like in doesn't an adaptation have to change structure does it have to change characters does it have to change story in order to make sense in the new format right scott pilgrim is made through as a comic for a reason um and that could have been an economic one 
but my argument would be that that story fits a comic better than it would fit any other form. Um, so what has to be changed in order for it to be work as a film? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I yeah. Th- oh, I was just saying, I think, again, you're talking about plot points more than story character development. So, like, you're saying that the plot point at the end of your comic issue is a cliffhanger. That doesn't necessarily need to be there. It, you don't have to have the same beat for beat plot point. Absolutely. And right? that's more of an example yeah, is yeah. me just saying these are the differences yeah. between formats. But you, for instance, love Heartstopper. Yeah. Um, and you've talked about how the the creator of the webcomic mm-hmm. um, also wrote the screen uh, play, I guess, yeah. for the TV show. Yeah. Um, and in doing that, she removed a whole character that is featured fairly prominently in the webcomic. But sort of replaced with another character that got a lot of the right. similar traits. But, but replaced them. But not like not in essence. The essence of the character is still involved in this new character. So, but that's my point. Is does that need to happen in in order to adapt? So, because she is changing from a web comic to a TV show, mm-hmm. do consolidations like that need to happen, or is it possible to take it and just go straight from this comic? Straight to the screen. I don't think, I like. I don't think I've ever seen anything that was directly like straight to straight, and I don't know if it Sin would City. be good. Sin oh, City's a great Sin example. City, yeah. I also have another example, but uh, do you have anything more to add, Brendan? I'll, I want to give you an opportunity to no, respond I, here. It's a it's a tricky one, uh, and it's a long winded answer. Totally but it's, right. But you're right in the sense that that's that's how it used to work, and you can see modern comic creators start writing for other media like oh okay. they're still writing comic books but if you read the first half of walking dead the comic yep. it is a very different book from the later half of walking dead when he starts writing the show because he starts mm. writing it like a tv show mm. and does it does the comic suffer as a result i think it does yeah i think it does uh, i i know there's a that's a bigger conversation because i don't i don't think robert kirkman is as as, as amazing as most people think he is sure but uh you know i i lent you ed brubaker stuff recently yeah and ed brubaker is now a hollywood writer but when you read those criminal trades it probably feels like one big story as opposed to single issues which is what which is how they were released but there's not a lot of cliffhanger notes you're reading it as yeah. a thing and it feels like one story and a lot of yeah. people have started writing that way uh in the modern in a, in a modern age and a lot of that is people have stopped buying single issue comics and started writing for trade paperbacks. So now oh, you're writing okay. in five, six issue chunks. Right. And if you're smart, again, if you're if you can evolve and adapt like an Ed Brubaker, you can write twelve issues and it'll feel like one story without and, and I read that stuff monthly and the hook was still there, but the hook was that it was good. It wasn't mm-hmm. that it was a cliffhanger and it wasn't because of anything like that. So I think there's an evolution of what that specific specific problem is. But so you think um, like I, I think we're hyper focusing a little bit too much on the on the specific problem of the of the cliffhanger. Okay. Um, yeah. But I mean, do you think then the new stuff Ed Brubaker makes that's designed for a trade paperback of six issues? Yeah. Is that then directly adaptable to a to a movie? Yeah. To the you can take that yeah. and then shove it straight in. Don't not without removing structure, without yeah. moving characters, without removing anything about the story, and then it works exactly the yeah. same. Way. I think the Hollywood pilfering of the comic book industry right. has forced people to write that way. But think, so, is that a bad thing? Like, are, no. if they're writing that, it, so it fits for both. Are they conforming? 
No, I you know? I don't think it's a bad thing. I know people who do think it's a bad thing because it is it does it it does affect single issue sales month to month. Right. Because it's harder for you to come back when there's no there's no hook every month. Mm-hmm. Right? If if you're writing for five issues for a trade paperback, you get one hook in the middle and then there's meandering. Sometimes right. a lot of the big events when people get event fatigue, it's like Civil Wars 12 issues or right. 8 issues right, or whatever right, right. like that and really three issues make a difference. Mm. Right. Three issues is the movie. Sure. And then you have five issues of five to nine issues of nothing going on. Mm. So there, there's a lot of that. But I think, I think the Hollywood coming in and basically trying to pick up properties has forced a lot of writers to go the graphic novel route as opposed to the single issue route. Interesting. Yeah. And so I, Heartstopper is my one sort of connection with this. Like I don't read a lot of comics. Right. Um, or if I do, it's usually... Like V for Vendetta, I read the whole thing in one mm-hmm. sitting. Right. right? Um, so, yeah, I think doing a web comic where she's putting out a weekly, um, they're putting out a weekly issue, uh, it has a lot of room for growth. And they've been writing that for ages. Right, right, right. So to be able to go to a, a, a book, like to put it all into a graphic novel or to even change it into a TV show... Um, they have the option of altering what they they maybe wanted to do before. Okay. So especially because it's them getting to write it again. So they've done the webcomic, the graphic novel, and the show. Yeah. They're able to go, okay, oh, you know what? I didn't really enjoy this as much. I shouldn't have put it in. I need to fix it. Right. So I give... I give um, like Heartstopper like way more credit for that because it's all of their creation. Like it's, yeah, and, it's and, not a lot of outside influence for it. Uh, and a lot of projects um, don't have that that um, uh, th- that's slack. Yeah. Right. So yeah. a lot of the original creators don't get to just turn around and go, "Ah, eh, these are all the things I would have changed, you yeah. know, or would have wanted to, or yeah. uh, being able to." So like, given the fact that in most situations, a creator makes something as a as a book, and then mm-hmm. someone else has to take that and interpret it for and the screen. Change. Yeah. Then. you know so i guess actually is it in another great example another reason you're here mm-hmm. you know is the jane austen stuff yeah she literally isn't she's dead yeah right so she can't even weigh no in say. on it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. so she can't first of all obviously she can't come in and then write the screenplay yeah and then on top of that she can't even be there to give advice yeah. as like oh yeah but i want like the reason this character is this way is because of yada yada yada, yada, yada yeah so um it <sighs> I, I guess, is it is it possible? Have you felt that we've taken the Jane Austen story and adapted it in a way that's truly uh, page to screen? No, I, I don't think there's like... Not to, a single one? I, I think there are really good ad- yeah, adaptations, yeah, yeah. but I don't think there's anything that can truly say like it is exactly core to core, like right. a f- front... Or cover, close enough right. not to, like obviously if we look at well in this one she's standing on the left and in the yeah. film she's standing you know <laughs> no. like not not like that but close enough that it wouldn't matter like close enough that someone's like yep they basically took the the book and they handed it across and that was the script you yeah. know like um and like that 1995 Pride and Prejudice I think is it's a very it's a it's a mini series though mm. so it, it wasn't confined to a film they did have some more space to be able to to really go through it. Um, but I think also with Austin, her characters are the core. Like the whole right. point is who is this person and what are their choices and why are they making those choices? So 
as long as you have those main characters that are still acting the way they should act and making the choices that they would based on who they are, right? It's a probably a good adaptation. So, um, you like again, you are famously a, a big Harry Potter fan, mm-hmm. um, and we've talked about this before, um, about how difficult it must have been for some of those especially the later books in order to adapt those uh properly to a yeah to a film and we talked about how in particular sorry the thing i've always commented on is the last film they split into two and i think that splitting a book into two is very very hard because it 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 is fundamentally from an audience perspective um uh anticlimactic uh because that first part will always end halfway through the book mm-hmm. in a way that the arc of the book is not designed to end. So they'll have to find something that's narratively satisfying for an audience to be able to walk out of and enjoy as a single installment mm-hmm. when, again, that's not the way the, the original work is designed. Mm-hmm. So um, is it just an issue of books have too much information in them and therefore can't be properly adapted to it? Like, is that the way it is for Jane Austen that there's too much there to properly adapt to a film? Uh, is there a better way? Like, should Harry Potter have been made as a series? Yes, <laughs> always. But so there's the ten same episodes there. a season, or ten episodes a book. One that's one season. You got it, guys. I'm here. Call me. <laughs> Man, you were entirely too prepared to answer yeah. this question. <laughs> so prepared. But um, she's had a lot of time to think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then as we get more, we'll add more episodes. Like we got this good. Uh, no, and I, I. I don't want to say that there's not things you can cut out. I think in a lot of books, like there are places where you could be like, okay, we really don't need this. Let's. But do you um, really not need it or do you not need it in a film format? You really don't need it in a film format. Okay. Like, okay. or I would, I would have a tough time arguing that you really didn't need that for the overall story of this book because it might enhance a character. Or it might give you a little bit more information leading up to whatever plot point or or whatever. So I do think it's necessary for a novel potentially. Sure. But um, there's more information on a film, right? Like yeah. you're literally receiving the audio, the the visual, the visual. like there's so they can literally tell you more in a shorter time. You should be able to remove some things. Right. It's just yeah, it, it, and that's where every adaptation of Shakespeare or Jane Austen and I use those because they've had so many. Absolutely. It's free. Like everyone's yeah. sort of, <laughs> all the studios come back to them. Yeah. Um, so they have so many opportunities to be um, like, Oh, I didn't need this part in the book. So let me remove mm. that. Or um, as, yeah, as a, as an individual, I get to choose if yeah. I'm making that adaptation, what I want to pick and, and take out. But for some of them, I'm like, I think you just watched the previous version and didn't like that part, so took it out, but didn't put anything new oh. in. So you're like almost making it shorter based just on the. You just want to films. revise the one that came out five yeah, years before, which yeah. is already a revision. Which is, yeah, 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 and so yeah. you're already missing. Um, but yeah, like I, I really struggle with the two movie deals. So if I have a series, you've given me a single movie for each uh, book adaptation yep. up to this. And then suddenly you decide at the end that that last movie needs two. I don't get it. Like, and, and I think Harry Potter could have been so good. I think they did end the first, uh, the Deathly Hallows part one at a really great part. But for some reason, they cut out all the excitement of mm. the camping, secrecy, traveling for Horcrux. Horcrux's Oh episode. my God, camping? They cut out the, <laughs> no, no. the exciting part of the camping? That's what I mean. Like there was so many exciting <laughs> things. No, but there was really cool stuff that was happening. And they, for some reason, was just like, no, no, we're just going to do really artsy shots. 
Mm. And like, look, they're at this camping place. So do you think they could have done it in one movie? Um, I think I would have been hard pressed. But also because they, I, I think they could with the movie that they have. With the two movies that they've made. Right. Oh. Um, so like I have an issue with David Yates. He made the last couple of, he's also made the Fantastic Beast movie. He's the director of them. He's the director, sorry. Um, and he, yeah, <laughs> director. Um, and he uh, makes choices based on how he feels and thinks the books should have gone. Right. So. Um, which is his creative choice. Which yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. It's, which it's I, his prerogative. Yeah. Clearly Warner Brothers has said that's okay. Yeah. And, and they obviously loved him. J.K. Rowling loved him too. Yep. Like they've kept him on for so many. Um, terrible choices have been made, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but that's my thing is if I took like I, I should do this if I could edit videos, but I could cut out a lot of that first Deathly Hallows part one and have just maybe a three hour Deathly Hallows movie. And most of it would be part two. Um, But again, if he had put the interesting things in from the book and actually put the cool stuff that happened that would enhance your characters and enhance some of those extra characters that come out in part two, um, he would have had two really great movies. Right. So yeah. it, it just bothers me that he had to cut yeah. things. And you're you're against it flat out. I, I, I went against separating the parts. Yeah. I think as a as a concept, yes. I think that it it doesn't work, um, or it 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 historically fails. Um, where the 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 exception sort of for that rule is, I I would say Lord of the Rings. But Lord of the Rings is not split into parts in the same way. Um, but I also, if I watch the theatrical version of Lord of the Rings, I feel like I'm missing things because we do have the yeah. extended versions and the extended versions are four and a half hours each. Yeah. So theoretically, if they were to be released now, theatrically, they would be split. So it would be Fellowship of the Ring, part one, part two, and it would mm-hmm. be that four and a half hour total. So splitting it in that way isn't satisfying narratively. Um, yeah. And I know that because I remember watching those extended versions initially on DVD where they were literally split. You had to put in yeah. a different DVD. And and the Blu-ray is still the same thing. Um, yeah. Oh, it is? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So it, that's the thing, though, is it doesn't feel, the way those end, they feel like cliffhangers. Mm. And it's not in a satisfying way of like, you know, I don't know. It feels weird to compare these, but in Avengers Infinity War where it ends on a cliffhanger on a what are they going to do next but that still felt like a conclusion to that arc um a little bit you could watch that film as an individual but i don't think you could watch the first half of the extended version of fellowship and be okay for another year until the next half of uh of uh fellowship of the ring comes out no because like, i think it ends at the council of elrond like after that <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you are you no, are that's not awful. at a good place it's like yeah. Yeah, i think when you replace the, the when you put the second blu ray in they literally come over the mountain yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like he's like you will be the fellowship of the ring and then <laughs> the <end>. music <laughs> so i am against it as a, as a concept but but i also don't think that it doesn't make sense to me to regularly for most projects release a four and a half hour film straight to theaters yeah, yeah. But is it a YA problem for you especially? Again, we've talked about this yeah. a lot, but like it is that double bookend, like the double movie at the end of that of a series, Hunger Games, Twilight, yep. Potter, all that stuff. I that you'd you'd be against that across the board if 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 you if you had your way. I my my issue I have issues with YA, um, and I have issues with in particular the um a lot of the film adaptations of YA novels. Um, but a lot of my issues with YA have nothing to do with this. Um, like, 
this is a completely separate structural issue. And that's my point, is that I don't see a way, as much as I completely agree that it is ridiculous that the Deathly Hallows would be split into two films like that, and that the first one is never going to be anywhere near the top of my list of movie Harry Potter movies I want to rewatch because it's blah. Um, uh, I also don't think that they could have like I, I I have a hard time because they cut out lots of content yeah. mm-hmm. making those movies. So does it make sense to again like going back to does it make sense to have adapted those things from page to screen? No. Mm-hmm. Like does should they have been a, a series? And we talked about this as a TV show, but even TV shows have a tendency to sort of end on maybe not a cliffhanger, but they there's a reason that you should watch the next episode. They try and keep you a little bit hooked. And can we take a whole book with with one consistent narrative arc and end it uh, on an episode basis and have it still be uh, satisfying? I don't know. Again, hit me up. I got this for Harry <laughs> Potter. Um, no, but the, I think that's my my thing. My huge issue with Walking Dead was like I think I stopped watching in the third season because that's what they would do. They'd give me forty five minutes. And the first half of the episode would be solving the cliffhanger from the last half. Right. Um, Or sorry, the first 10 minutes would be solving the cliffhanger from the the previous episode. You'd have 40 minutes of absolute boring, nothing nothing happening. And then five minutes of a cliffhanger so that I'd have to watch the next episode. And so eventually, I, I I think halfway through a season, I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be bored for my whole show. And then you give me some tease that I need to watch the next one with. Well, so in fairness to them, just for context, I believe some of the reasons that happens in Walking Dead are practical reasons. So I, the way I always heard it described was that it was issues with budget and mm-hmm. that uh, they literally did not have the budget to make the zombie show they wanted 10 episodes a season or however many it was, 20 episodes a season. Right. Um, so what they would have to do is focus on the... Um, on the mundane stuff that they don't need a lot of special effects for mm-hmm. and then pack in the things they knew they really wanted and they couldn't cut. And they, they still had to do that in the third season by the time the success had been there? And that's the yeah. thing. It's so, like, that's not necessarily the show's fault. It is a... It's bad decisions on the part of the network as far as I'm concerned. Um, but you look at Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones is very similar. However, I think Game of Thrones is far more compelling. Um, and that especially those first few seasons where really there's a lot of them where there's a lot of talking and posturing and stuff and then you actually get some of the action and the yeah. things that people are dying for um, not until like that every season of Game of Thrones the ninth episode always the best but, and it's for yeah. that reason but I'm okay with that because I want to know about the characters I want to learn more yeah. about them so I'm okay with all the talking and the figuring out who these people are and sure. especially with Game of Thrones because you're like oh I forgot you existed <laughs> Or like, oh, you're not really my favorite, but let's see what you're going to do. Um, whereas Walking Dead, I, I was like, I knew these guys from first season. I know yep. exactly, like I know pretty much everything about yeah. them. They have not changed. I don't, there's nothing you can give me more of. Yeah. And then you're not giving me the action sequence. So like, yeah. Game of Thrones is a really good example too of like in Walking Dead, just like you said, I legitimately am annoyed by characters mm. in The Walking Dead. And in Game of Thrones, even if they're the worst characters, I hate the characters, but I'm never annoyed. I'd still want to watch. Oh, yeah. You you hate them because they're doing a good job of what they're supposed to be doing. Sure. I'm not annoyed by Joffrey like I am Shane or Laurie or Rick even sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but 
I hate Joffrey. But you're yeah. annoyed because of inconsistencies, right? Like yeah. those those characters uh, appear to be intelligent in one case and then act yeah. like a moron. Absolutely, completely. it's like three different writers are writing it. Now, yeah. granted. I think this isn't a great example simply because people would argue that The Walking Dead isn't a good show. I, I, I would say a lot of people would argue that. Um, and then it's not a great adaptation mm. of those. Uh, well, yes. Game of Thrones is, up until probably the last two seasons, a good adaptation of, mm. of those books. You know, So if, if you give me these arguments on something that is considered to be a good adaptation of the work, yep. I get it. Absolutely. I think what we're pointing out now, though, is structural problems with Walking yeah. Dead as a show. I actually wouldn't know. Like, I, I, I spent a lot of years being chastised for not continuing to watch Walking Dead. Mm. So, yeah. I, it, in my mind, it's always people have loved it. Yeah, and have always loved it. I've been the same. Like, I've had a few people be like, "You're still not. You're like, you're not watching it." I'm like, no, it's eleven seasons. Like, I yeah. stopped in season three. I'm not yeah. watching. I didn't even make it past <laughs> like, season two. So, oh yeah, yeah. Like, um. Yeah, and and so I think maybe that's the nice thing about now with streaming and with the ability to not be shoehorned into a kind of media that doesn't work. Right. So with something like, I love that we're getting more shows that are able to be the length that they need to be. So to have 20 episodes of a show that you can't actually fit 20 episodes, like you can't fit content or sure. fit entertainment enough for 20 episodes. I'm I'm glad that we can look at things like, I think Netflix was the first to be like, no, you can have as many episodes as you need and they can be as long as you need them to be. Yep. And like, so this this episode is 50 minutes and that the next one's 65. Like, that's fine as long as you're doing a good story. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think in some cases with Netflix, it was even more dramatic than that. Like yeah. you'd have a episode that was 35 minutes and then you'd have an hour one that was an hour 10. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's because it fit the the arc of the narrative they wanted to tell. Yeah. But again, I think that even goes back to what I'm saying of like, can we take a, a book like Harry Potter that's designed to have a single conclusive narrative arc? And obviously there's little, you know, character growth moments and stuff in the middle. Yeah. But can we take that and then make 10 satisfying um, mini arcs that make an, a single episode still worthwhile and satisfying to watch, but then tells the overall story? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that to me. It's it's. I know you've had problems in the you've had problems with it where it ends, but to me, Dune is the perfect example. Oh sure. I don't know that you could fit that in one film. I, I absolutely truly, agree. Right, and I don't. So you you're you're stuck with the idea that you have to put it in two movies, but I think you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. It's like I don't know if that's the perfect place to put it. The, the where it yeah, ends. Mm. Totally. I think I can I can see the argument for it. But you're right. Like I don't know that there's a proper place in that book to have a stop and make me wait. So Dune's a great example. I'm so sorry, Allison, no, no. but I need to yeah, yeah. pick on this. <laughs> Dune is a perfect example. Then, given that it is a hard adaptation to make, um, and that you, it, since we know, in order to do that that book justice, we need to have more content that is covered in a single film and we need the budget of a film so it can't just be a tv show mm -hmm. um however given the fact that it would be very very hard to adapt that properly is it better we don't get one like do we need a film adaptation of this given the fact that it is going to be you know again we talk about Watchmen, next to impossible to adapt it properly yeah i don't know Yes. <laughs> we do need it. You're saying that I mean, you I, will I, take I, a bad adaptation. 
I of have. something. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that's what you'd prefer? No, or you'd prefer a bad adaptation versus no, never trying an adaptation at all? I don't know about bad adaptation. I think I'd have a different answer if that movie was bad. Mm. That's sure. a, it's a tough one, yep. right? But it, knowing what I got and knowing what I the potential of what I have to finish it, if there's a cut at the end, if the light at the end of the tunnel, if there's a six-hour cut of this movie, seven-hour cut of this movie, that's one and one like one seamless thing, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Because I'll sit through the seven. Because that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I don't weirdly consider, like, Deathly Hallows a part one, part two, because to me, I'm going to sit down and watch both of them. Oof. Like, I'm never... <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to... Like, if I watch one, I'm going to watch the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, the same with Dune, I think. But And that's what killed me about Dune going into it was like, this is a part one and I don't know if we're going to get a part two. Yeah, like, it was way different. We have different not than, been yeah. confirmed. And sure. so that killed me thinking like, oh, why do I even want to watch this part one? I don't want to get invested. Yeah. And, yeah. But the same thing, like I assume the second part's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, and so I will sit down and I will watch both of those back to back. I will never just go, let's watch Dune part two. Like I'm always going to do both. <laughs> yeah. But you also, both of you have to consider the fact that you aren't normal either. Nope. You know, so these adaptations aren't what? made with you specifically in mind. No. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so they aren't designed in Deathly Hallows part one and two are not designed to be viewed in one sitting. They're not. No. Um, if they were, and they so, wouldn't repeat the final scene at the start of the movie. Um, so right, I, like. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. Um, and Kevin Feige has talked about an inspiration for the MCU was Harry Potter films, mm -hmm. and in particular, he thought it was very interesting that you could watch a Harry Potter film and have no recollection of the previous film, and that didn't matter. Um, so because he remembers bringing his kids to it and going, I have no idea what's going on with uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, but he would be caught up by the time the film started. Or even if he wasn't caught up and didn't still had no recollection of the previous events, <sighs> he was still able to enjoy that film as an, as, as an individual. Mm -hmm. So that's the way they are designed. Yeah. Um, so again, the same question. You have already said you don't think those film adaptations of Harry Potter, a series you adore, are particularly good as adaptations. Yeah, like right? it's a hard, it's a hard. Sorry, there's actually a question okay, here, but sorry, you're, yeah, we're on ahead. the same page it's there. Hard. You yeah. don't think it's the, it's a good adaptation of those books? Yeah, because I yeah, I just need more. I need more. Fair enough. All the more. Um, so would you rather? Would you take, or given what you've got, mm -hmm. would you rather they just never have touched it? No. You would have you, again. You take the one that is imperfect, that is not a good version of the adaptation. Yeah. Because again, if you have to say to someone, you have to watch, you have, you have to know the story of Harry Potter. Yeah. Are you handing them the books or are you handing them the movies? Oh, books. Yeah. yeah. Not a problem. Yeah. Right. No question. So, but you will still take the mediocre version, the mediocre adaptation, in lieu of nothing at all. I think, like, I, I just needed to see it. I needed to see the magic. I needed to see yeah. Hogwarts. Like, and sorry, I, you could have given me something else, but, um, <laughs> so, like, you could have given me just a video game, and I would have also loved that. Mm. But, um, but you needed it adapted needed beyond the books. The books yeah. weren't enough. Yeah. Or, well, not a, like, that's, but that's what we're effectively saying, yeah, right? Yeah. I, yeah. and then, honestly, I wouldn't be able to answer that in good faith. Yeah. Like, it, Everything that you would ask me that if you asked me that question specifically, I think I'd still have I. I would answer it differently if I had seen something already rather than not something at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, you yeah. know if you're a big Suicide Squad fan, if you see the um, 
uh, some dailies from the original Suicide Squad film. Maybe you decide, nope, and then yeah. you just like burn it all to the ground yeah. and forget yeah. that that ever existed and went, I'm going to stick with these comics, yeah. you know? Um, so... Or a big Aragon. Aragon is another great example. Yeah. Is that I'm sure there's plenty of Aragon fans that wishes uh, that wish there was never a film out. That might be all the Aragon fans. Well, and especially in this case, like wished there hadn't ever been an adaptation so that we could actually get an adaptation. Because I think I believe ne- there is one being made. Actually, yes, there's a new one being made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so with Disney Plus. Oh. Yes, and uh, Paolini. Paolini is involved. Is involved. Oh. So. Anyway, so now, now he's an adult. Oh, I'm so yeah. excited. Um, but th- I think that's my issue is because it, then it's like at the time that I would have loved, like, sorry, I loved Aragorn, but uh, Aragorn, but of course, yeah, we know yeah. you love Aragorn. Know, okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, but I would have, because it was such a bad adaptation, like, if they had just redone it two years later, I still would have been fangirling lining up around the block to go see it. Even if it was just as bad. Well, no, but I wouldn't know. It was just about. I just mean right. like if they had done it immediately again, I would have still. So wanted your trust to see wouldn't it. have been faltered no, at all. No, you I would have been gone like, to it and I guess been burned it, once. I would have been and like, went, oh, let's I, do it again. Shove my hand in the. Well, I mean, at, at that point, at that point, you're just like, well, it can't be as bad as the original. Exactly. But so it could I be. But you could be. But in your, but in your fangirl head, you're just like, yeah. <laughs> and so it's sort of the same like with the Suicide Squad movies. They came out relatively quickly after each other. There's probably five years between them. But yeah. But that's not a big. It's not long. And so to me, it was like, well, I've been, I like, I have issues with the first one. I found it entertaining. I've watched it twice, but also like there were problems. And then I really loved the next, like the newest one they made. So it just, I wish they had done that with like, you know, it's a bad adaptation. So maybe make another one right away and like learn from your mistakes, but do it Mm. because people are interested or I would be interested in watching it again. And yeah, the idea of it's not going to be as bad as this one. Also, if we didn't have the first Aragorn movie, we wouldn't have the fucking banger Alvaro Levine song, so. <laughs> I cannot say I'm that familiar. That is the only reason why. Uh, <laughs> I might be familiar with the song, does not yeah. in oh, reference. You are. You that know, is yeah. connected yeah. to Aragorn. Yeah. I'll, lo- I'll loop it over this entire episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, uh, that as I edit. Right. I'm not allowed to do yeah. that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, we probably should... I, should be trying to wrap us up here, mm. but I, I, there's a lot of meat still here to dig into. So I'm so sorry if you're no, listening I mean, to this and there's probably going to gonna be, uh, there's probably going to be more of this. Um, yeah. but so is, is the reason you're okay with, okay, let me position this a different way. <laughs> Given the fact that both of you have been like Brendan, you've had Dune adapted into a phenomenal first half now. Yeah. So, reasonable to assume that the second is going to deliver at least on some measure of quality yeah. mm-hmm. um allison you have had harry potter or let's still lord of the rings okay. adapted into something that you've adored yeah. um is uh or sorry actually let's talk harry potter okay. <laughs> given that you that, that that it's a mediocre adaption that mm-hmm. it could be better yeah. it should be better um you still want an adaptation. You want yeah. that versus nothing. Yeah. Is that just because of how much you love the series? Brendan, is Dune, you know, the first Dune, did you watch that first adaptation? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. It but... Is that because you love the series so much that you're going to put up with whatever they put out? No. And you like, know? I can sit there and, and, and tell you all the reasons why I love that original Lynch Dune. Yeah. Uh, but I know it's a sh- Number one, I know it's a shit movie. 
Mm. And number two, I know it's a shit adaptation. Mm. Uh, I think there's a there's a nostalgia factor there for when I caught on to that uh, and all that stuff. So that's a more complicated thing. But I, if if every annotation of Doom is bad, yeah, I'd be done. Would you you would you yeah. would back out, Allison? Yeah. Same vein. You weren't happy, or you the the Harry Potter adaptation should have been better. Yeah. They have continued that story, the story of the Wizarding World with Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. And you have been generally unhappy with them. I would say your happiness has probably Declining. declined yeah. as you've gone along yeah. to, to rock bottom fairly recently. However, still not rock bottom. We're still not there. Um, the, the third one was like moderately better than the second one. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I That's not the... I, how what I had understood. So uh, my, sorry, my point okay. is, at what point do you stop going? Or are you so mm. in love with the series that you so in love with the original, with the novels, which are objectively incredible, yeah. that you, there, she will, or the, the series will never run out of goodwill from you. So you will always continue to see the adaptations, regardless so of So basically their. you're asking, at what point do you feel like it's finally been massacred enough that you... You just want it never again. Yeah. Well, and I'm not even talking Harry Potter in general. No, no, just in general. Yeah. But I mean, in anything, is an adaptation going to get your ticket every time just because it's something you love, regardless of the quality of that thing? And if you've been burned a hundred times before, are you going to keep going back to that well? So I think like there is a difference between Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts. I will I will eventually <laughs> stop watching. And I think like this this time was a a good indicator of that because I didn't watch it in theaters. I tried to avoid as much as possible. Like a lot sure. of that was JK Rowling and avoiding her. Yeah, and um, voting with your wallet sort of. Yeah, right? like trying to be more mindful and not giving her the time of day with it. But um and also David Yates, I really gotta stop supporting that guy. Um but uh, <laughs> um, can we have like a hate, a hate uh, nope. <laughs> director? Nope. <laughs> I mean, Sounds like I, a bad yeah. time. <laughs> um, I'd be into it. <laughs> but uh, Harry Potter, like honestly, I I think it would take a lot before mm. I would stop yeah. watching an adaptation, and so I don't even know what that would mean. Like, I can't even quantify when I would stop risking to go see it. It's happened to me, though. Right? Where you've, you've, give, you've run out of good yeah, and it, But it's, it's, it, it is definitely a m- more recent thing, mm. right? I have no interest in watching House of Dragons because of all the, un, the, the goodwill lost. I believe it's last... just the one dragon, actually. House of Dragon? <laughs> yeah. Because the House of Dragon is Targaryen. No, whatever, yeah. man. Like, 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 <laughs> that's I, that's the, like yeah. I could yeah. care less. <laughs> And because I know most people like a good chunk of Game of Thrones, I'm I check out after season five, sure, mm. right? And so yeah. there, I had three seasons to to really to really have them do their worst to sure. try to get. And by and I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I talked about this during one of our after the credits. I'm there with Thor. Yeah, yeah, I could care less if there's another Thor movie. I would agree. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially a Taika Thor. Which is insane to think about, considering yep. where we were in 2018 with Ragnarok, or 2017. With well, and it's weird to think that, that that he's lost goodwill after two movies. Yeah, you yeah. know, like yeah. the first one he gained in a, a crazy amount of goodwill, but immediately blew it all on one. Yeah. That's insane to me. Yeah, and especially for a, a guy who again stuff I quite enjoy for the most part. But yeah, I it's it's happened a lot, and I wonder if so much of that with me is is 
there's burnout, there's volume watching in terms of the right. amount of stuff coming out. And I just, I couldn't be bothered. So you're a big Godzilla guy. Yeah. Um, uh, I know that the, I think the most recent Japanese entry was Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, you weren't a huge fan. No. Another Japanese Godzilla movie comes out. Are you watching it? Yeah. At what point do you lose God, goodwill for them? Uh, I it would have to be like they're some of them are B movies and you still enjoy them. So is it something that like the it's a different action could be bad yeah, to, it's, and it'd still be fine. It's a for weird you? different expectation there, right? It's just like uh, man, I it'd probably take like three Shin Godzillas and I think I'd be I'd be uh, three in a row, three in a row. Yeah, where I think because they like, could oh, well, have a banger in the middle there and it would probably rejuvenate yeah. some. And, of that, and you I know? had I had that with the American Godzillas, right? Like uh, I'm not a huge fan of that first one. The, the first with, with Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. So not the first. Like the, the 2014 The 2014. Because yeah. the, the, the first one is 99, right? No, yeah. I'm, I'm basically the MonsterVerse stuff now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right? Sure. Like, I, like, I'm not a big fan of that one. I'm, I am I like King of Monsters. I'm not a big fan of Kong Skull Island. I know you are. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. I, I think it's all right. It's right? great. And, so, and, I, and I think I like Kong vs. Godzilla. So mm-hmm. there's peaks and valleys with it. But as long as there are peaks and valleys... Yeah, you're, you you're going to keep going. You have back. me. Sure, sure. Right, but if 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 the if I wasn't a fan if I wasn't a fan of that first Godzilla and I didn't like King of Monsters and I didn't like the, there was one in between too. I, no, no. I thought it was. I think the, it's just King of Monsters. Well, the one in between is Skull Island. I think. Yeah. 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 And yeah. if if those all sucked, I think I I I don't I don't think I would have stuck around for most of it. The rest of it. So we've had this whole conversation about good adaptations. Um, and what I'm getting out of this is that Allison, it doesn't matter how good an adaptation is. They have your ticket money. (laughs) That's so upsetting, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, I think my thing is like, I, I go to movies to be entertained. Sure. And so I do have a good way of like, like I can disconnect it as an adaptation. Uh, So if it like I can just be like, oh, this is just a movie, and yeah. do I enjoy somebody's shitty fanfic? Yeah, yeah like yeah, am yeah. I enjoying this film? Yeah, I am, even though it doesn't fit all of my my the way it should I, be. Yeah, what I wanted or what yeah. I expected, but like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, so I yeah, I'll probably torture myself and go to everything. Well, and I guess the difference is is that you know if if someone puts out an adaptation of something you love, you will go and see it, yeah. regardless of level of quality, regardless of what critics are saying. However, yeah. If you adore it, you'll watch it eight times. So yeah, that's the big thing. So yeah. they'll get your ticket the one time. Yeah. But you would be willing to offer it far more if you if, if they I do liked. it properly. Yeah. If they had a good okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and so Brendan, I'm understanding that are you in the same boat that you're probably going to give them the ticket at least the first time for something you enjoy? At the very least, the first time. So you will see it even if reviews are bad, critics are saying it sucks. No, I, 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 that's actually. A really good when you when you say it like that. Yeah. Uh, I've still not watched Ender's Game. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. And I had issues with it from a creator standpoint with Orson Scott Card. Yep. But I also it just just watching the trailers. I'm like, this feels like an empty, hollow shell of a movie. And uh, it's I don't one think of, it's that bad, which is interesting. It's, yeah, it's my fa- yeah. it's one of my favorite books yeah. ever. Yeah, absolutely. And watching the trailers, I'm like, I'm not getting a sense of that. So I bailed. I haven't watched it. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a guarantee. Hmm. Interesting. I'm just not. Yeah, I'm not. So as an example from from me, Sandman is one of my favorite uh, comic books. I would probably list it as number one at comic books of all time. And then um, uh, and Netflix has very recently put out their uh, version of it. Now, 
for to preface all this, I have watched one episode of it. Um, but that is something that in a lot of ways I would consider to be unadaptable. Um, I was pretty floored when uh, Audible managed to adapt it into a, uh, a quite good audio series. Yeah, However, yeah. they are adapting effectively page to screen yeah. or page to ears. Voice. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, the only real difference is, is they've got Neil Gaiman in there as the narration to kind of describe what you would be seeing otherwise. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I don't see those um, comics being able to be adapted properly. Uh, truly from the uh, from the comic to the, the TV show. Yeah. My understanding is is this adaptation is being fairly well received. Um, and I can tell that there's differences. In the trailer, my, get, my gut is telling me that the Corinthian, who is a one-note villain or one-note character, sort of, he is, I think, in four issues of the original um, out of the... He's got a heavy placement in the... I believe he's the villain for the whole series or the whole first season is, is my uh, guess. Yeah. Um, and so I understand why they're doing that. And I don't think that necessarily makes it a bad adaptation. Um, but it is... I know they're changing things. Yeah. And so this is something I don't necessarily want to be changed. Yeah. My point is I am going to watch the hell out of that show. And I probably would have even if it got bad reviews. As much as I sure, you but know, would I, want to avoid it, but it's because I adore it. So, so I, I do think that there's... So if the first season apparently is, is, is the first two books, which is Preludes and Nocturnes and Dollhouse. Right. If you watch them and they're garbage, do you watch a second season? No. No, unless I hear some, like, unless I, I see reviews and stuff or critics are like, this is incredible. People that didn't like the first one, you absolutely need to come back because mm. they've changed it. They, they fixed the problems, you know? Um, it's that, uh, it's a weird comparison. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie, you know, the first trailer came out, people weren't happy with the design and they changed it. And so there was fans that then backed the project yeah. and said, well, like you did what we wanted you to do. You know, yeah. you took the, the feedback. So I'd be willing to do something like that, yeah. but I'm not going to go back and get burned again. Yeah. And, and even then I adore Sandman. If this got review bombed, like if it absolutely cratered and, you know, 15% on Metacritic, I'm have a hard time sitting here telling you I would go watch it anyway. Yeah. You know, like now what, what if it's a little bit of a spin on the question? So if it's two books per season, 10 books. So let's say the first four seasons are garbage and the fifth season is pitch perfect. I'd go back just – I'd go for the for only the fifth season and I'd skip yeah. everything else. Like if it's true garbage, I don't want to see it and I'll pick it up. I'll figure out – you know, because I'm okay with that even if that if if someone takes a, a work and goes, this isn't going to work for tel television, but this last chunk will. If you find a way to do that properly, absolutely. I'll, I'm there. You got my ticket, you know? But why didn't you have the forethought before to make the first four seasons worthy enough of that fifth season? Well, arguably, like, the, the source material might not be adaptable. Then you don't adapt that part of the source material. That's my point. Yeah. Is that So effectively, maybe that's what happens here. Yeah. Is that they just kind of never really... Got to. They kept yeah. trying. They were like, no, it's not working. Yeah. And then the fifth part is actually the adaptable thing. Yeah. Or it could be some stuff behind the scenes of ne yeah. nothing ever totally worked out. And then for the to fifth, fair, they the, caught lightning in the yeah. bottom. The first, the, the Sandman stuff is a good example of that because the early stuff is 
really out of this world. And yeah, very, very hard to adapt. Yeah. I can't imagine. And like, they're trying to adapt and attract people. Absolutely. Like, and so I think this those, isn't just the old fans. Yeah. You know? Those multiple storylines and all of the different things like it can get confusing and it can be a lot. Um, so to have that then onto the film or onto your screen, what's the best way of doing it? So, so uh, we've said a lot here. I think we have to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as sort of closing thoughts, um, it does not surprise me that we keep having comic book stuff get re- greenlit. Like the way we've been talking, I'm realizing now that I think a lot of people tend to be more on the, sorry to scapegoat you here, but mm-hmm. on more on the Allison side of things than they are on the Brendan side of things. That, mm-hmm. you know, more people are saying, I like Batman. I'm going to go see anything they put out that has Batman in it, regardless of quality. Um, so it's easy for Warner Brothers or whoever to go, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's you know, like <laughs> we got yeah. enough figured out. Let's yeah. just throw it all together. Yeah. Um, and it's just an IP thing, right? Well, and it's Harry Potter is a great example, not of throwing things at the wall to see mm-hmm. what sticks, but of a of a fan base that is so dedicated um, that that you can just count on them buying yeah. tickets. And I think that that's that's what we've seen with some of the Fantastic Beasts yeah. is it's no longer about tracking the fans because they've counted on them being a guarantee. Yeah. I don't, you know? I'm hoping this last one will convince them, but because it was not regarded like people didn't go as much. Oh, they yeah, lost it's dead so in the water money. as far yeah, as I'm yeah. concerned. I would be and really they, surprised if they continue the series exactly the way they're doing it. And they don't have a plan for a fourth one, so yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I'd like you to finish the episode talking about how much you love Michael Crichton <laughs> <laughs> as an author. Yeah. As anything. Oh, <laughs> as anything. I don't think I've ever read Michael Crichton ever. 